Tonight, uh, continuing on, uh, the word of the Lord through Dr. Savell was that this year would be the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. And in sports, the highest level attainable is a championship. So I've been talking about the attributes of a champion and different things about how champions operate, how they think. And tonight we're going to talk about knowing your opponent. Now, we're not here to glorify our opponent, and I don't really know why that needs to be said. The Bible does talk about our enemy, who is Satan, uh, and we're going to define a couple of his tactics tonight so that you can recognize his tactics uh, and avoid them and overcome. Amen? So, we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul is writing, saying, not not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. We talked about that last time, having a champion mindset. If you haven't done it yet, circle in your Bible the, the word, two words, reaching forward. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. Those two words, reaching forward, as I've talked about, is describing a believer that is straining forward to reach the full impact of the resurrection. So everything that Jesus did on the cross, uh, in the grave, and out of the grave, is yours. He broke the chains of hell. He broke the chains of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Satan has lost forever. And all the promises of God are yours. And we want to attain all the promises of God. We want to live the maximum life that Jesus paid a price, and, and a victory for, don't you? So that's what that word reaching forward means, is, is a believer that's attaining to the full impact of the resurrection. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, As His divine power has given us all things, say all things, all things. pertaining to life and godliness. So He's given you all things pertaining to life and godliness, all things pertaining to life, so that you can live in this life, victorious, an overcomer, and a winner in life. And that's what you are. If you don't feel like one, then start telling yourself that you are. Because anything other than that is not the truth. He says, all things pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. We have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. This, when we receive exceedingly great and precious promises is experiencing the full impact of the resurrection. So I'm reaching forward. 
to every exceedingly great and precious promise in my life. Because God has promised them to me and given them already through his son, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. That through these, through what? Through these exceedingly great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now we're in a fight of faith. It's a fight to keep the faith. Paul told Timothy, fight the what? Good fight of what? So what do you think that the enemy wants to steal? Yeah, not just your faith, but if he can steal your faith, then he can cause you not to experience the full impact of the resurrection. Because all the exceedingly great and precious promises are received by, are they received by, did my mic go off? Am I, am I on? All the exceedingly great and precious promises are received by, So Satan wants to make your faith inoperable. Because if he can make your faith inoperable, you won't receive the precious promises of God and it it won't cause you to understand the full impact of what Jesus did. So, in knowing your opponent, and I played sports growing up. Now, uh, when I was in high school, uh, game film wasn't... As big as it is now, I, I coached high school basketball when our son Drew was a sophomore. And so I coached high school varsity basketball for three years. And uh, we, we had some, it was a small school, but we had some success with regional champs one year. And, but we would watch game film on the opponent. So uh, this is a common practice now for coaches to exchange film uh, for the opponent that they're going to play. And usually, even within, within the conferences that they play in, it's a rule that you have to do it. So, uh, you know, we'd watch game film. If we play, played uh, Tuesday nights and Friday nights, then on Wednesday, normally we're watching game film for Friday night. And then as soon as the Friday game's over on Saturday, you're watching game for uh, film for Tuesday night. And what were we doing was we were studying our opponents. And we did this in college uh, when I was in college, you know, as, as a player. And so uh, you have stats. You have stats on individual players. It's a team sport, but there's individual players that have different strengths. You know, you got one, the one guy that's a shooter. You got the point guard that distributes. You got the guy that I call a slasher, where he likes to drive uh, the bucket. He's a trash man, likes to rebound and, and do the things that nobody else likes to do. Uh, you got the you got the guy that uh, likes to post up, and and the other guy. So we when we would play, uh, we would identify different players. Well, obviously, if somebody is scoring twenty five points a game, and you can you can stop that guy from scoring twenty five points a game, then uh, you have a better chance to win because you know what you do. 
I said, you know what you do. You know what your strengths are. You know uh, what your role is. And, and we, each, we each on the team had different roles. You know, some guys, like I said, were shooters. I was a shooter. So my job was to, as soon as uh, the rebound came or the, or the opponent made a basket, someone would take the ball out, throw it into the point guard as he was sprinting down. He would throw it up to, I played a two, which means I, I sprinted to the right uh, end of the court. And I was looking for the ball off the run. If I played the three spot, it means I, I went to the left end of the court. And I was looking for the ball off the run. And so we would catch it, throw it up the court, catch it, and shoot. And that was, uh, that was uh, what they called the running rebel offense back when UNLV in the 90s uh, you know, made that possible. So we would study game film. And, for example, we played this one college. Uh, I was at a college called Lee University. We played this one college called Bryan College. They were right across the state line in Georgia. And they had this one player named Nathan Unruh. And he was a very good shooter. But he wasn't just a good set shooter. He could go off the dribble. Either way, he'd come off picks, off the dribble. Or he could even come off picks away from the ball, get open. And I mean, talking about catch the ball, shoot the ball. So our defensive tactic with him was to, somebody was going to face guard him the whole time, the whole game, so he didn't get the ball. Because if we could stop him from getting the ball, then he can't score. So we went to play them one game, and I said, well, uh, the coach coach doesn't usually do this, but he says, I need someone that's going to step up, and we're going to play what's called a box in one, which means one guy's going to chase this guy around, face guard him, and make his life miserable. The other four are basically going to stay in the lane, the four corners, and then guard guys as they come around. And we're going to switch every screen. So if, so if somebody screens me, then, then another guy's going to take him. But come, come up, Joseph. But <clears throat> my job was to stay in this guy's face no matter what. And if he moved that way, guess what? I moved this way. If he moved this way, guess what? I moved this way. He was not going to get the ball. And then so we would identify if, if somebody... Okay, this guy likes to go to his right. His tendency or his tactic is when he gets the ball, he likes to dribble to his right. So our defensive strategy would be to push him left. So I would shade his right hand so that he couldn't go right. And then I would make him drive to his left. Or if he liked to go left, I would shade his left and make him go right. If he liked to go both ways, I would play off of him because usually he wasn't a shooter and play what's called straight up. Those were tactics. If a guy didn't like to shoot, he liked to drive, then I didn't need to be right up on him like this. I'll take a step back because he's not going to shoot it. That's smart. That's a tactic. So when you understand the tactics of the enemy, then you can uh, attain more exceedingly precious and great promises because because he can't stop you. So... In the Bible, in Ephesians, the pastor mentioned it on Sunday, there are, off, uh, he talked about the armor of God. If you were here. If, let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, you need to understand this. 
about the world you live in is a sinful, fallen world. The kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus came saying, repent for the kingdom of God is here. So that people could come to know him and still operate under kingdom of God principles in the world. So all the ways of God can still be attained. Uh, All the kingdom of God ways can still be attained by us understanding the ways of God and walking in them. So we are at war. It's a spiritual war. And it says it right here in Ephesians chapter 6 that we uh, wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rules of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Pastor talked about that. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. He talked about that. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So the shield of faith is a defensive weapon so that you guard yourself from the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then numbers verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon that God has given you so that, which is the word of God. So that when you speak the word of God, there is creative life forces in your mouth because the word is truth. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. That means things that need to die, I can speak death to and things that need to live, I can speak life to. It is offensive. So when I get the word in my mouth, I can take ground. So back up now, we, we started verse 12, verse 11, and this is where we'll begin tonight. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, another word translation for that is schemes, another translation uses. Schemes, but I looked it up in the Greek, and there's there's a definition for it. Just to give you an idea, it means a method, schemes, craftiness, cunning, trickery, and deceit. You can't stand against the wiles of the devil if you don't recognize how he operates. So there's a method that he has. There's schemes, there's trickery, there's deceit. He's cunning and crafty. So we understand that about him. He can't tell the truth. The truth is not in him. He tells lies. He is the father of lies. So that means that if you think you're a loser, that is not coming from God. And if it's not coming from God... Who is that coming from? If it's coming from man, it's still a lie because that's not what God says about you. If it's coming from Satan himself, it's a lie because he can't tell the truth. 
He's a father of lies. So everything that he tries to whisper to people is a lie. So I have to line my thinking up with the truth and what God says. They deserved a better amen. So it says uh, the wiles are methods. If you drill down into the, what the method means, it, it means a predictable, listen to this, a predictable preset method used in organized evil doing or well-crafted trickery. But it's predictable. In other words, the way he operates is he always overplays his hand. Where if you're spiritual at all, you know, hey, this is an attack of the enemy. He's coming against my life. Now, not everything is an attack of the enemy. We live in a sinful world. There are people that are not saved. Uh, People that are not saved are not born of God, which means they don't have the love of God. So uh, the Bible says that the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of God. So the world, worldly people or sinners know how to operate in the worldly system better than the sons of God know how to operate in God's system. That's what the Bible says. So what we have to do is get very good at learning the ways of God, the kingdom of God, so that we can apply that in our life and in the world that we live around us. Jesus prayed, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. As it is. Well, that's, that's pretty significant, I would say. I would say that that's living uh, a life that is uh, exceedingly great and precious promises, is what I would say. Trickery involves uh, the idea of a trap being set and and the enemy lying and waiting. So I want to give you two tactics of the enemy. I mean, there's, there's obviously more, but just two tonight that we can talk about. And the first one is, number one, Satan wants to keep you operating in the sense realm. Sense, S-E-N-S-E, or you could also say in the natural realm. He wants to keep you operating in the sense realm, or you could say the natural realm, or you could sum up all that and say, through sense and reasoning. Sense and reasoning. Reasoning is, is natural logic. He wants to keep you there. And turn to Genesis chapter 3, please. In verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Remember that phrase. Your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the, what? Eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave 
to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were what? Opened. Okay. Now watch this. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now he said to her that your eyes would be open and that you would be like God, knowing good and evil. That was his, that was his lie to her. But what the phrase, and their eyes were open, actually means is that they became aware of the sense realm. They became aware of the natural realm. They were walking with God in the spirit. Their job was to have dominion, fill the earth, uh, be blessed, multiply. And now they now understand the sense realm or the natural realm of things where death has come in. So they understand now death, sin, the curse, poverty, all of this now. Before, that wasn't part of their way of thinking. But when their eyes were opened, they now understood these things. And so now, when God sent Jesus to save mankind, Jesus came to uh, cause our spirit now to go from death to life. And now it's the opposite. It is now that we have to see life. And we have to get out of the sense and natural realm so that we can see the spiritual things that God tries to show us. So it now works in the opposite way. So when you get born again, your spirit is regenerated and Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you. Now you are uh, a, a, a live spirit being and he is trying to get you to see the things of the spirit. Yes. Amen. The precious Exceedingly great and precious promises that he's provided. So sense, taste, see, smell, hear, and touch. The sense realm. The sense realm. And it all has to do with our bodies. With our bodies, we taste, we see, we hear... And we smell and we touch with our bodies. And so if Jesus said all things are possible to him who believes, when he's talking about believing, he's talking about believing in him or having faith in God. So when we get off into the spiritual side of things or when we walk in the spirit and have faith in God, then the things that are impossible naturally can become possible with God. But there is no way to achieve the impossible and make it possible naturally. We don't have that power. 
So we need to tap into a greater power, which is Jesus Christ. Is this good? I mean, is this, is this okay? Are y'all, you're kind of staring at me? Some of you have holy stares. Some of you seem to understand. Some of you seem a little confused. But we're going to get there. So when uh, the sense realm, now the sense realm or the natural realm is limited to man's limitations. But with God, he can override natural laws. So Jesus uh, was saying to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. When he's talking about he's desired to sift you as wheat, what he was saying was Satan wants to try to overthrow, test you to the point of overthrowing your faith. So that's his tactic. So if he can get you out of faith and and only operating in the natural, only operating by what you hear, only operating by what you see, only operating by what you can touch then he can get you out of faith and cause you to be inoperable. But Jesus goes on to say, but I have prayed for you. In other words, you can do this. You can do this. There's no, nothing that the devil can throw at you that you can overcome through Jesus Christ who overcame death, hell, and the grave. That's who we are. We are overcomers. That's what we do. Take your fingers like this. Take your fingers like this and you say, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. (laughs) That's what we do. That's how we live. That's how we operate. But he wants to try to keep you in that natural realm. So if he can't kill you, which the Bible says that the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and So if he can't kill you, at least maybe he could try to steal your joy. What about stealing your peace? Now, it's an exceedingly great and precious promise for you to live in peace. In fact, that's a great life that God has for you. He's the God of all peace. Steal your peace, steal your joy. Steal your finances. Steal your faith. Any of those things where it causes you to draw back into sense and reason. Which brings limitations. So senses are function of the body. It's... We're a three-part being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. So senses are a function of the body. And so the Bible says is that, that our bodies or our, or our flesh, it calls it, is at war against our spirit and our spirit at war against the flesh or the natural body. So the natural body... The human nature of bodies uh, is sinful. So when you get born again 
and you receive the spirit of Christ. And now you are in a live spirit that is working in contrary to what your natural body tells you it wants to do. Your natural body does not line up with your spirit unless through your soul, which is our third part, your mind, your will, and emotions. So I must choose for my spirit to rule my body. I must choose for my spirit to rule my body. So the soul is the connector between the spirit and the body. So the soul chooses which part it wants to operate in. In other words, you, you're, that's why the Bible says to renew your mind. Because when I renew my mind, I have a greater chance of walking in the spirit. But if I don't renew my mind, then my body is speaking. Saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I worked all day today. I don't want to go to church. Oh, you, you know, you know what? You owe it to yourself, you know, to, to stay at home and rest tonight because, because your body needs rest. But if you're feeding your spirit, you know, I find when I go and sit in these conferences all day or come to church, I'm just not as hungry. My body's not as hungry because my spirit, man, has been getting fed. So I've got to choose to line my body up with the supernatural realm of what I am created My spirit is supernatural. Eric is a spirit. Eric has a soul, mind, will, and emotion. Eric lives in this body. Now, I might talk to God about that when I get to heaven one day. You know, about how come I didn't get big muscles? How come when I do bicep curls, I get a little egg on top and other other people get this big... Well, why couldn't I have been like Gaston? <laughs> yeah. Every last inch of me is covered with hair. You know. <laughs> he said, as you see, I've got biceps to spare. My favorite part, and then I'll move on. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. Why couldn't I have had an intimidating physique? I don't know. But But my body says, you know what? I don't want to diet. I don't want to work out. I don't want to. And the people that are so into working out is because they like the way they look. And so their body's saying, you like the way you look and you want to work out some more so that you can look even. You have six, you have a six pack of abs, but you need an eight pack. (laughs) Am I telling the truth or what? So these are choices that we make in our soul realm. We choose. The, the greatest power God gave to mankind. 
good and bad, is the right to choose. And he wants us to choose him, to choose life. So our bodies are one third of our being on this earth. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Uh, I'm going to read that in the Amplified. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. In the Amplified, let's see. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason, sense and reason. Sense and reason is the mind of the what? Flesh or body or natural realm. That's the realm that we, uh, that is against or contrary to. It says without the Holy Spirit. So in other words, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, reason things or think things through by the Holy Spirit. But if that's the only realm that you're off, that you're operating in without the Holy Spirit, it is death. Death that compromises all the miseries arising from sin. Both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace. Because where do we where do we have peace? Where do we have peace? Our spirit's already perfect. So Satan can't, uh, Satan can't mess up your spirit. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He can't take your salvation. He can't take it. Notice I said that. He can't steal your salvation. That would only be your choice. So the, the peace is in the realm of the soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's where we experience peace or anxiety. Is this too deep? Do we need to take a break? Bathroom break. You know, what happens in sports is you call a timeout. You see the team is maybe maybe struggling, lose a little momentum. And the coach goes, timeout, timeout. The ref doesn't see him. Timeout, timeout. And then everybody comes over, the coach you know, it tells everybody to sit down and they all get a water break. Does anybody need any water? You need some? Hang on. Here you go. Some water. Some water for you. Anybody else? We could just pass this water bottle around. I'm sure nobody's got it. Hey, COVID's over. COVID's over. So, you know, they used to do that in Bible times. You know, they, they would drink out of the same cup. You know, share the cup. And they still do that in, in other countries. But I guess here we're a lot more, you know. Uh, yeah. Which is really not operating in faith, is it? <laughs> All right. So if, 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 the, if the mind of the flesh is death, the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, which one do we want to be operating in? Our spirit. Right? So that's why the Bible says we must renew our minds. We renew our minds to God's way so that we can walk in the spirit and choose the things, choose the things of the spirit. Now, what's what's Satan trying to get us to do again? Get into the realm of the natural. 
Only sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. Okay? Galatians chapter 5. Let's go there. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. It's a choice to walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the body. Because those, twos are, those two are contrary to one another. The Spirit and our natural body. So walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the body. Or the flesh. The Passion Translation says, As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon... The cravings of self-life. Because sin is rooted in selfishness. God is love. And, uh, you know, you could say the opposite of love is hate, but you could also say it's selfishness. Because love only thinks of others. Now, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So, Let's come back to that one. (laughs) But he says here, in the Amplified, you won't gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, which is human nature, without God. So, if we're trying to stay in the Spirit and in the realm of faith, then we have to watch out for things that can cause us to get over into the natural realm. So in other words, somebody comes at you, you're, you know, God speaks to you. He tells you to, uh, you know, believe for this thing. And you, and you go and you tell somebody because you're excited about it. God spoke to me. He told me to believe for X, X Y, and Z. He went and told somebody, and they said, oh, be careful. You know, I tried that back in 1987. And we ended up shipwrecked, divorced, and our dog died. Oh, wow. Well, then you go, well, why would God tell me something like that? Then if if they ended up shipwrecked, divorced, and their dog died, then, I mean, I'm not really better than them. Maybe that could happen to me. What has he done? What has Satan done? Did God say, question God, did God say, Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. And then in 1 John 2.16, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So these are things that, uh, these are the, the three big things that Satan will use to draw people out of faith. Because you don't sin in faith. You don't sin in faith. When you sin, you have, you have gone out of faith because you're saying there's a better way than the way of God. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm about my message tonight. I'm thankful that I've been delivered from their faces, Lord. From their holy stares. The New Living, uh, the, the uh, New Living Translation says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. I'm amazed, like, uh, how pride is such a sneaky thing. Such a sneaky thing. But that's what Satan got kicked out of heaven for. I want to be like God. I want people to, I want these, uh, all these angels to worship me. Pride. You know, I'm amazed at like, uh, how, (laughs) you know, you give somebody a title and then all of a sudden they're, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Important. And that can't, can't take instruction from anybody. And then, you know, cause they got a title now. And it doesn't even pay anything, really. I mean, we're all servants, you know, right? It's sneaky. Craving for physical pleasure and craving for everything that we see, it's a sense realm world. So when people post on Facebook and Instagram... They're not posting everything they're going through. They're posting their best Facebook life. They're posting their best Insta life. Because look at me. Look at my life. Am I not so great? Oh, I'm a model. Watch me do duck lips. (laughs) It's true. I know it's silly, but it's true. And we, get, we can get caught up in all that. I'm not saying all social media is bad. and I'm not, don't, But I'm just saying, <laughs> you can get caught up in it and, and then get into comparison. And then get into, well, I'm just a loser. Look at them. Look at the life they're living. Why should I should be living that kind of life? Well, if I wouldn't have messed up two years ago, well, if I wouldn't have done this, if I wouldn't have done that. You can get off into all these things, beat yourself up, and let's, let's face it. We got it. Paul said, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward. We got to go forward. We got to stop looking in the past and go forward. Looking in the past is getting you back into a natural realm that reminds you of the things that you did in the natural realm or in the body. So that's what Paul says. You got to go forward. You know, walk in the spirit. Forget yesterday. Walk in the spirit today. Today's a new day. His mercies are new every day. This is where the body of Christ needs to go. We got to understand who we are. We got to understand whose we are, what he's done for us. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what Jesus did. There is no sin that's greater than the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice was enough for all time. 
So I've got to believe that. In order to believe that, I've got to be in faith. I've got to be in the spirit realm. (laughs) Number two. So number one was, he wants to get you out of faith and operating in a what? Natural or sense realm. Without the Holy Spirit. Number two, distraction is a tactic of the enemy. Distraction. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to the things that are ahead, I press on toward the goal, toward the goal, Of the prize of the upper call. A goal is a target. A goal is something that you put your eyes on. That you focus on. We have our natural eyes that we see. But we also have our eyes of the spirit. That we can see things of the spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And so. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. In the Passion Translation. I'll just read it to you. Beware that no one distracts you. Or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Or the exceedingly great and precious promises or the full impact of the resurrection. By pretending to be full of wisdom. In other words, some great revelation that they have. When they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. What is this? Sense and reasoning. It's caused many, many young people to say that they, that, you know, uh, I don't believe in God. I mean, there's, I believe in some higher power. Why? Because they have been indoctrinated with wisdom that's of human logic and arguments. Their soul realm has been assaulted, assaulted with this doctrine. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgment based on the what? Mindset of the world's system. But we're supposed to be not of this world. In it, but not of it. Bringing the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. So that we can operate in the kingdom of God here on earth. And so we shall during the thousand millennial reign. What if, what if your life on this earth was where you would rank in the in the millennial rule and reign. How you loved, how you gave, how you forgave, how you served, how, how you uh, gave without wanting anything in return. The motives of your heart. He's the rewarder. These are things that Jesus taught. The servant is the greatest of all. 
He said he said he came to serve. Oh, just something to think about. Selah. Matthew chapter 14 talks about Peter. And when Peter was on the water, Jesus, he said, Lord, is that you? And it said that the winds were contrary. And he said, Lord, is that you? He said, yes. Bid me to come and I'll come. Jesus said, what? Come. So Peter stepped out on faith on a word from God. He stepped out on the water and walked on water. Did he do this naturally? Did his body say, you know, I think we can walk on this water in the middle of the storm. No. In fact, he had to probably, if you're seeing this storm and it says the winds were contrary, he had to calm his mind to understand and have faith in what Jesus was saying and come. To be able to step out in the supernatural realm and walk on water because that, my friends, isn't natural. Unless you live in Michigan or Minnesota and the water's frozen. (laughs) Then you can walk on it plenty, but you can't build a fire. You shouldn't do that when you ice fish. You shouldn't build fires when you ice fish. I was cold. There's so much wisdom coming out tonight. And let me tell you, it's not the wisdom of this world system. It's having fun. So all these circumstances and situations. So then it says that the, that the winds became boisterous. What happened? It was a distraction that caused Peter to get out of the supernatural realm into the natural realm. And he did what? Began to sink. It was a distraction to get him out of walking by faith. He was singing a song when he stepped out of the boat. I walk by faith, each step by faith, to live by faith. I put my trust in you. He started doing this while he's walking on the water. Then he started seeing that the storm was boisterous. He began to sing. Distraction. He wants to distract you. He wants to distract you, get you out of church, distract you during the sermons so you don't listen to the word, which takes root in your heart, which causes you to walk greater in the spirit and by faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Distraction. Through people's words to you, over you. (laughs) You know what? They just get jealous, is what I've learned, when they see you start having success spiritually. So you got to ignore all the peripheral distractions and stay focused on the prize. even happens at work when you see the job opening you're in line for that promotion along with five other people you see them start positioning moving positioning politicking believe it or not 
It happens in church and in the ministry. If I can get close to big name minister, then somehow he'll put me on the map. Peripheral distractions. So then if you enter into that, then you will reap the result of natural ways. So you better be a very good politicker and backstabber. But I guarantee you, you're not because you're born of the Spirit of God, and that's not of God. So someone that's not born of the Spirit of God is going to be a better backstabber than you. And they should be. Because they don't know the love of God. They don't know the ways of God. Right? But the ways of God are so much better. There's, there's life. There's peace. There's promotion that God does. When you don't have to work and toil and labor and be anxious. They would try to do this at, at, at the games, the fans, when you're on the free throw line, and they would, they would scream and holler and try to get you distract, distracted so that your eyes would come off that, that goal because you're, trying to, you're looking at that goal and where this ball wants to go in that goal. But if I'm looking around at all these fans who are screaming and hollering and waving, trying to distract, what was even worse for me? is I was the only white kid on the floor most of the time in high school. And so they would talk trash to me because I was white. They would say, come on, white boy, white boy. Come on, white boy, white boy. I can't tell you how many times they call me that. And if I got into their game and I started talking trash back, it got me out of my game. Because why? I lost focus. I would lose focus. So I would have to calm myself. And uh, show by my results. <clears throat> Almost done. Maestro, come up and rescue the people. Go ahead. So they'll think. <clears throat> They'll think he's almost done. In fact, we just, we just had a staff meeting Tuesday, and one of the things in the book that we're reading is that you got to finish on time. Now, I don't, that wasn't defined what that time was. No one said, which is 8-11. It, it was defined as, you know, your, your hind end starts hurting. So is anyone's hind end hurting? Raise your hand if it is. Okay, so we're okay. I love you. <laughs> Talking trash. You know, uh, Elijah talked trash. And he said, hey, where's your God? Where is your God? I don't see any fire. Where's your God? Did he go to the bathroom? Probably taking a break. One of those water breaks that she's taking back there. You're off that break, aren't you? Did you share your water? Okay, good. It's nice to share. We learned that in children's church. 
We got to be like Paul that none of these things move us. We got to be like Jesus whose face was set as he headed to Jerusalem. There wasn't anything anybody could have said. His face was set. He was determined. I'm going to Jerusalem. So we're not distracted. And the most important thing you need to know about your enemy. Number three, or I should say, I I, I told you two tactics, but this is one thing you need to know about him. The most important thing. Are you ready? He is defeated. That makes me want to twirl these glasses up in the air. Something exciting. He's defeated. Jesus made a show of him openly. And you know what we did tonight? We gave him a black eye. We exposed a couple of his tactics. So we're not people. Go ahead and stand if you will. We're not people that are uh, living deceived. Right? We are people that know the truth. And we bring light into the darkness that exposes lies. We're people of truth. We're people of light. We're children of God. We're overcomers. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So God has set it up since Jesus' resurrection that if you resist him, he has to flee. I said God has set it up Since Jesus' resurrection, that if you resist Satan, he has to flee. So, don't get off into this sense and reason realm where where your mind begins. Satan tells stuff to your mind and you tell stuff to your body. And you say, well, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. No, that's a lie. Who told you you're struggling with it? Who told you? Who told you that? Did Jesus not defeat death, hell, and the grave? Are the chains of bondage not broken? Yeah, but... Yeah, but you don't understand uh, what my body does. Well, you need to tell your body this isn't what we do. Because guess what? You're better than that. You're better than that. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for the victory. We thank you that this enemy is defeated and he is under our feet. And so right now, by faith, we're taking a march of faith 
And I don't care if you march out of your seat or you can stay right where you're at. But you need to pick up your right foot, soldier, and put it back down. Pick up your left foot, put it back down. Right, left, right, left. What are you doing? You're stepping on the devil's neck. Right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left. Stepping on his neck. Right, left, right, left. There ain't nothing left of him. What are you down about? Have faith in God. Come on, it's not as bad as it seems. It's how we live. It's what we do. Come on, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. It's what we do. We walk by faith. We live by faith. This is a victory that's overcome the world, even our I know your rear end's not tired because you're standing. However, we must all go home now. So, Father, I just release peace. Peace. The storm. Strength. Lord, strength to the soul, strength to the body. And may we walk out of here tonight knowing who we are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, wait, wait, wait. Everybody shouted, amen. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen!